Andrew Ferreira is weird. So weird, he loves science more than sleep and other people. It's time for Andrew Ferreira's Weird Science. Welcome back to the program, Andrew and your nerdy self. I appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, you're doing it's, good. You, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, in, you mentioned in the lead up here, 9-11, and one of the things that I... Uh, this isn't directly related in a sense, but one of the interesting things I heard is that the split between millennials and Gen Xers is whether or not you can actually remember 9-11. Yeah, that's probably I've heard a good point. that because so much changed in that moment, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, people always like to throw around, you know, birth years and stuff, but I always pull out the, if you remember 9-11, uh, you're a millennial. If you don't, you're a Gen Xer. Yeah, good point. Well done. And I think which that's one, a pretty good way to do it. Which one do you fall in then, sir? I'm a millennial, technically. Perfect. Welcome. Uh, well, space space for this young millennial's mind is uh, what is on it. The race to the moon seems to be very much a thing that so many people are are getting in on, Andrew. Um, we just had conversations about India getting there, and you complimented their ability to get it on such a lean budget. Japan is making their way uh, quickly based on the titles, um, to what they're up to. What do we got going on? Yeah, so actually, and this is interesting, because this is actually Japan's third attempt uh, to land on the moon in the last year and a bit, and the first two have ended in failure. Um, And, you know, this is a testament to how difficult uh, space travel and, you know, doing things in space really is. Um, So Japan actually, and it's got probably the coolest nickname of any, you know, space mission that I've seen so far. Uh, They called it the Moon Sniper. Mm. And it's not going to fire a fifty cal round into the moon. But that's the thing. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of feels like they're going to blow up the moon. You know, that's what it feels like, right? Uh, but the sniper in this one is actually um, what they're going to be sniping is actually the landing point. So when you're thinking about a lot of lunar payloads and a lot of lunar missions, the landing area isn't like a like a dot on the ground that, you know, mission scientists expect to hit, they usually have kind of a, you know, a two to three kilometer area in which they're like, well, if it'll land in this area, that would be great. Um, So the usual margin for error is, you know, kilometers across. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the reason that this mission is called the moon sniper is because they're aiming to land it within a hundred meters of its target. Um, And this is a level of precision that no country has yet demonstrated um, when it comes to moon landings. Uh, and and being able to, you know, pinpoint land payloads on, you know, not just the moon, but other surfaces, you know, asteroids, planets, whatever it is, um, is going to be huge going forward when it comes to setting up, um, you know, permanent settlements on other worlds when it comes to trying to assemble satellites in orbit uh, or other manufacturing in orbit. Um, so this is actually a fantastic uh, and interesting test case to see if they can actually nail this high accuracy landing. Um, and now in order to kind of make it there on time, uh, or in time, I should say, uh, it's actually going to take several months to get to the moon. And you might be thinking that that's kind of weird because if you remember the Apollo astronauts got to the moon in about a week. Um, however, this, uh, and it's actually called the slim, um, uh, mission. Um, it's called the, it stands for smart lander for investigating the moon, you know, astronauts are sometimes good at naming things, sometimes not so good. Um, it's a very small <laughs> spacecraft. Um, I'm sorry, the Space Launch System, terrible name. Just terrible. Um, but uh, 
because it's a relatively small spacecraft and they have to have a lot of space on board for the brains of it so that it lands, it doesn't have a lot of fuel. So it's actually going to take a really long kind of multi-month trajectory towards the moon uh, in order to kind of save as much room as possible for the big brain accurate landing stuff. Okay. Um, what history does Japan have here? Because we don't hear about them very often. Clearly, if this is their third try, hasn't gone well. We don't hear of them going out and hanging out in space very often, or is that just one of those things that we don't talk about often? They just don't really get talked about often. I mean, you know, Japanese astronauts have been part of the International Space Station crew since the beginning, essentially. Um, you know, there's, I believe there's a Japanese astronaut on the ISS right now. Um, so Japan, you know, in this, in a similar way to Canada, Canada punches above its weight in terms of our, you know, contribution to robotics specifically. Um, but Japan punches above its weight uh, all around, uh, to be honest. On, you know, along with the rocket that went out the other day uh, with this moon sniper, uh, right on board as well, they launched uh, a brand new X-ray telescope. And this is an X-ray telescope uh, in partner with uh, the European Space Agency and NASA as well. Um, so this is actually a double payload launch. And scientifically speaking, uh, the X-ray telescope is actually the, the big payload on this rocket. Um, they're really hoping to see a lot of, you know, fantastic new science coming out of this because they want to use this new X-ray telescope um, to study the plasma currents of the universe, which I swear is not made up. That is an actual thing. Um, and this will help them understand the evolution of stars and galaxies. And there isn't actually a telescope currently up there uh, that is able to do that. And so Japan has this kind of track record of partnering up with other space agencies and launching these, you know, frankly, really interesting payloads, uh, but they kind of get buried. Um, you know, people don't really pay all that much attention. Huh. And when it comes to, uh, you know, the history, when it comes to specifically um, with going to the moon, uh, the last time that Japan tried was a few months ago, and it was actually a private uh, a private spacecraft. So there's actually bidding to be the, also the first private uh, spacecraft to land on the moon. Um, it actually had a, there was an error in its computer software that it told it that it was on the ground. So it turned its engines off, but it was actually hundreds of meters in space, Oops. not the air. Uh, and so it just kind of fell to the surface of the moon and blew up. Um, oh dear. So, you know, these things happen. Uh, and then last year, uh, there was another spacecraft that they tried to land it, uh, but they aborted the attempt. And I think it just kind of careened out into space. Um, <laughs> so, you know to kind of toss this back towards India, it kind of shows how extremely well run uh, India's space agency is in that, you know, on such a shoestring budget uh, on something that, you know, many nations have screwed up recently, you know, Russia just lost its Luna 25. Uh, it crashed into the moon and exploded, you know, uh, a few weeks before um, Chandrayaan three landed India's spacecraft. Um, you know, Japan's right up there. It's, you know, it's trying and it's doing what it can, but it just hasn't had good luck. Uh, and sometimes that's what it is, right? Sometimes it's just a, you know, a freak accident or, you know, one piece of circuitry, you know, flipping at the wrong time. And that's all that it takes. Um, wow. And actually looking forward um, to the Artemis program, I'm not sure if they're going to be the first first, but I do know that one of the very first astronauts uh, not from the U.S. to be, you know, on the surface of the moon will be a Japanese astronaut. Um, and that's, you know, coming up in the latter bit of the 2020s here. Um, I actually think they're going to beat Canada to the moon when it comes to boots on the ground. Um, hmm. I don't haven't heard much in the way of a Canadian being, 
you know, on an actual ground mission on the moon. Uh, we have Jeremy Hansen, who's going to be launching into deep space uh, next year. Uh, but once again here, the uh, the Japanese, you know, quietly, you know, subtly um, are doing fantastic work with what they have. Okay, that's cool. Well, I, I guess I'm apply, applying a bit of a stereotype because from India, you know, you don't see many Tata cars around. And then Japanese cars, you they're like some of the best cars ever for reliability. So I guess I kind of assume that their spaceships would be equally as reliable, you know, as the old Toyotas. But um, I guess that's not the case. But what do they like? What's the point? Now, Canada, we, we hitchhike. You know, we, we that's all we do is we sort of We're couch so far away to the moon. Right. So, but what is the point of a country like Japan? I mean, I get Japan, they're going through rocket technology militarily and all the things that are happening for the first time after all those years ago with the war, plus everything that's going on with North Korea in their backyard. Japan has disputed um, land with Russia. So there's an awful lot of reasons that are going on. The thing for me seems to be, that going to the moon is a way to practice military things without calling it military things. Is that fair? In some respects, yes. Um, you know, you as much as I always, you know, want to, and, you know, as much as the vast majority of time it is the case that it is for peaceful scientific purposes. I mean, look at NASA and look at who's building their rockets, right? Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin. What are they? Defense contractors, right? And, and that's just the sad reality and overlap that, you know, the very things that, you know, our science fiction dreams are made of uh, also happen to be fantastic weapons. Um, and that's just a reality. Though, with Japan kind of going to the moon here, this feels much less military e than, say, NASA or uh, the Chinese Space Agency. Um, and, I mean, you look at, you know, the manufacturer, for instance, of their rockets, um, you know, they don't use, you know, like SpaceX, they don't use, you know, the Soyuz, they use, uh, you're going to love this, the, the company that actually makes um, their H2 rocket is Mitsubishi. Oh, no way, really? Yep, it's Mitsubishi. Huh. It is the Mitsubishi. You know, remember when they made cars in North America, and then that stopped, more or less? Um, well, they still make cars, I believe. They don't make uh, a they lot don't of make them many. anymore, though. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, Mitsubishi is actually the the company that makes their rockets and they actually really? had a really big mishap uh earlier this year they were testing out their next generation rocket which is called the h3 uh and it blew up on the launch pad um oh. which was another reason why this mission was actually delayed uh for several months um because the h3 blew up and they were like okay um let's fix that uh so yeah. japan's actually had a pretty bad run of luck um, you know, they had the H3 rocket uh, explosion or um, rapid, um, you know, unscheduled disassembly. Um, <laughs> they also had... Well, that's like you know, when you call it a mishap, right? That's funny. Yeah, that's when they call it, a, you know, an oopsie. Um, you know, there's also the, you know, the, the, the crashed lunar mission as well as the aborted lunar mission. So it's been a bit of a rough, uh, you know, six to eight-ish, about a year for uh, Japan's space industry. But, um, you know, they're they're actually and I'm bringing India back into it again, because Japan is actually going to be partnering with the uh, with Israel, India's space um, agency. Um, and they'll be actually uh, working together on something called Lupex, which is called the Lunar Polar Exploration Mission. Um, and I've mentioned before how we're really interested in the lunar South Pole because we see that there are deposits of water ice uh, mm -hmm. on the surface of the moon there. And so 
Japan and uh, India are actually be working together to conduct a few missions uh, under this Lupex banner. Uh, and one of them is actually going to be the aforementioned Explodey H3 rocket will actually carry India's next lander into space. Um, and this is just part of the cooperation between agencies. So Israel probably sweat a little bit when they saw the H3 blow up on the pad. But rockets blowing up on the pad is, you know, it's the best place for them to blow up. Um, well, you, yeah. You don't want them blowing up in space or, you know, over cities or anything like that. If it's going to blow up, blow it up on the pad easy to diagnose and figure out what went wrong. And, you know, the H3 will be back, um, you know, on the test platform in the coming months once they finish their audit. Um, and so hopefully, you know, Lupex, which is slated to begin in 2025, uh, will still be on track. Amazing stuff. Andrew C. Ferreira, some science, some space, and so much more. Uh, thank you for being here, bro. Yeah, always. <laughs>